This is the Resurrection Identity Podcast, and my name is Tyler Miller. Today is Season 1, Episode 9, Resurrected from Toil. Today we are talking about our minds being an atmosphere of peace instead of an atmosphere of overthinking. This is something I've been walking through lately, so I'm excited to share with you. Let's go! Hello and welcome back to the Resurrection Identity Podcast. This is Tyler. I'm so excited to be with you today or tonight, depending on when you're listening. So today's episode, Resurrected from Toil, is all about what goes on in our mind day to day as people. And so often, this is something I'm going through right now, I find myself in what I would call an atmosphere of toiling. So the Lord brought this word to my mind, I think last week. And so this episode is raw because this is something I'm currently going through. And ultimately what I think is being revealed to me is that I have a tendency because of an insecurity that will come up or, or some sort of offense that wants to have its way in you. For me, what happens is that I'll start toiling in my mind. So I will start incessantly thinking on something or ruminating on something and So often, the thing that I find myself thinking on, and maybe you find yourself thinking on, isn't even true. Like, it's not even something that is true or provable in Scripture. And what I'm finding out lately is that the enemy, or my flesh, loves to use this against me. So I feel like there's all these opportunities in my life where the enemy will start speaking something to me that's a lie, but he's doing it as if he's the voice of God. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about when I say this, but the Bible tells us that the enemy masquerades as an angel of light, right? So Satan knows that for a lot of us who are living the Christian life, he can't just tempt us with like worldly temptations and that will do it for us because we're committed to King Jesus, right? And hallelujah, great. It's so amazing to be delivered from those worldly things that easily ensnare so many. So once you're not really walking in that realm anymore, the enemy has to shift tactics, right? He's like, okay, well, this isn't working. I can't get you with drugs and alcohol. I can't get you with sex. I can't get you with these things that I'm getting a lot of people with. So I'm going to have to shift gears here and I'm going to start representing myself even more as an angel of light. Now with every sin, I'm sure, we always think there's going to be some good thing that comes out of it, whether it's self-gratification, whether it's advancement in some way. So I understand that he makes things appear as they're not, you know, he he twists everything. But there's this very sinister tactic I'm finding that Satan's been trying to do in my own life. And it it is him coming in and trying to be the voice of God in my head, like trying to make me believe total lies about my standing with Christ, who I am, my position in Christ. And it's these thoughts that you hear that are, they sound like, oh, maybe this is God correcting me or there's some Bible in that, but it's not quite right. And all I'm left with is a feeling of panic. And then I'm toiling over it. I'm thinking it over and over and over, and I'm not getting any kind of revelation or peace. And that doesn't really make sense with who the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit is. And if the Holy Spirit lives in me, I should be coming to peace if he's speaking to me. I shouldn't be worried all the time about something. So what I'm 
learning this is, the Lord was, I think, showing me, this is a spirit of toil. And so this is something I think all of us are susceptible to. And I, I don't think I've had language for this until recently. And so because this has been bogging me down this week a little bit, it's been coming after me really hard. I was like, what a better time to record a podcast, to press that darkness away and to hopefully instruct others in the light of Jesus and in the resurrection power that we have access to. So first, let's look at where does this idea of toiling even come from? And actually, we see it in Genesis as part of the curse when Adam and Eve fall. And so I want to start there. So if you have a Bible with you, go to Genesis chapter 3. So as we go through chapter 3, I'm going to just read through it and we'll teach our way through it and just see what revelation God brings. So the first thing I want to say before we jump in is that you need to know, listener, believer, or soon-to-be believer, hopefully, if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord as your Savior yet, Satan is not on par with God. He's not equal to God, but the evil version. I just want to say that up front because sometimes when we talk about the enemy, I think we give him a lot of power through fear. So we start believing, oh my gosh, Satan is just as evil as God is good and they're equals, but on opposite sides. That's not the case. Um, Satan was an angel. So he was created by God. Um, He was not a God in his own right or something. There is only one God who has ever been, and he has all authority. And the Bible teaches that Jesus has the name that is above every other name. And Satan has a name. It's Satan or Lucifer even. So Satan is named and Jesus' name is above all names and everything will bow to him. Every knee shall bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I want you to know as we navigate these things and we're talking about darkness and things that are real, he always know that Satan does not have as much power as God has. Satan is so minor compared to God, but he's he's crafty and he's annoying. <laughs> so we have to be wise to the tactics that he plays, not because we need to be afraid of him. We need to know that our security is in the Lord. Our father is so much greater than anything that can come against us, right? And he takes everything the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good. So we are so blessed by that reality. So just keep that in mind as we go through this message today. So Genesis 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also then gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 
So let's pause here. So Satan's tactic right here, the serpent, right? He slithers in and he first, he questions God to Eve, right? Did God really say, did he really say that? And that's the same tactic he uses with us. Did God really say that he actually accepts you, that he actually loves you, that you're actually one with him? Did he really say that? I think maybe you heard that in a teaching, but that's not true. No. Did Jesus really become the sacrifice? Are you sure that that sacrifice covers you? I know it covers those people at church, but does it cover you? You might hear stuff like this in your life. And those are the same lies that he whispered in the garden. Um, he's, he's crafty, but he's not very creative. Hallelujah. Okay. So he says that to Eve, right? He questions God and then he calls God a liar. So he says, you will certainly not die. God tells her you will die if you eat from this tree. But he says, oh, you actually won't. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him. And so he makes God out to be this being, this father who doesn't have our best interests in mind and who actually is withholding the best things from us. And then he lies about it and says, you'll actually have blessing if you go against what he said. And so I think we do this all the time with how we view ourselves, right? We know that God has said that we are the redeemed of the Lord, that we are saved, healed, and delivered by the blood of the cross, that like Calvary worked, right? Calvary, the cross of Calvary, Jesus on the cross, his death and resurrection, it worked, okay? He defeated death forever. Death is broken forever for every believer. It is broken. It does not work on you. Hallelujah. That is the truth. If you come to the Lord and repent of your sins and receive him as your Lord and Savior, you accept the offer that he has made to you, you are cleansed and purified. And that is what the Bible teaches. And it's a gift that's free and it's by grace through faith. So when you come to him, you admit that you're a sinner and then you receive salvation. You you tell him, I believe in you. I believe that you are who you say you are. And and I declare that you, Jesus, died for my sins and that you are God. You died and you rose again. I believe it. You will be saved. You believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay? So once we do that, you are sealed. Like you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He is going to prompt you and transform you for the rest of your life from that day forward. But so often what happens is you get saved and you're living your life and hard things come up. And the enemy jumps in there and he starts pretending that he's God. And he'll start speaking these lies to you that sound biblical. Well, you know, you need to just do this work so God will accept you. Actually, your salvation hinges on if you're doing this, this, or this. He'll start throwing things in that are in addition to this gift of grace that God has given you in salvation and the oneness that you immediately come into as soon as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Satan loves to do that. So he'll start speaking these things to you. Oh, it's actually, you need to, um, you need to start working for your salvation just a little bit. You need to start doubting your goodness because that's, that's humble. You should doubt the work that God has done in you because it's humility. It's like versions of biblical things, but they're twisted and taken out of context and they're actually going against, they're directly a lie of what God has originally stated about you, that you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that you yourself, if you've accepted Jesus, have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he became sin for us. This is the miracle of the cross. And it's so, I love preaching this because it reminds me of it. It just reminds me like Jesus died for me. He became my sin 
so that I would become his righteousness. And no, it doesn't make sense. And no, it's not fair. But grace is unmerited, unearned favor. It doesn't have to be fair because God is just that good. Jesus is just that good. So that's the first thing he says, right? So he says, did God really say that? He questions it. And then he says, oh, actually God lied to you. You you won't die. God was just lying and he's actually withholding from you. And then because there's this desire to know God and to know good from evil, they eat the fruit and their eyes are opened and they see the severity of their situation. Before this moment, they're living in the oneness that God originally intended for humankind to be totally one with him. So they actually don't know any of this bad stuff. They don't know anything about toiling, about working. They were Now we know Adam was put to work in the garden. He was to name the animals and um, he, was, he had a job. That was always part of the creation story. But it wasn't toiling. It wasn't like exhausting, difficult, by the sweat of your brow, work, work, work. Like that's not what it was. It was kind of a joy because everything was done in total oneness and union with the Father. So it says, so we just read, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. We'll stop there. So that now we see from these people who were living in total perfection with each other, they're the perfect mates, they are soulmates, they are created for one another. It instantly, I mean, within a second, They go to shame, right? Shame is the first thing. They start making clothes to cover their nakedness, which God never told them they had to do. And then God comes and he's walking in the garden, right? And they hide. So they start hiding in shame from God, which is the opposite of what he created. We were created to have openness and union and oneness with God. We were literally created in his image and we are created in him. Like we, we are the only thing he created in his image. Exactly. So, That's an amazing truth. And right here, they're forfeiting it, right? So they're hiding and the Lord knows where they are. He's God. He knows what happened. And so he asks them, where are you? Which I always love that question because he doesn't say, how could you? He doesn't actually blame them right here. He doesn't say like, what's the matter with you? You're such a despicable, horrible child to me. He doesn't say that. He just says, where are you? Because the Lord is searching for us. Like he seeks us out. We're to seek him. But even to get saved, he draws us to salvation. He is like always pursuing us, which is amazing, amazing. So anyway, Adam then talks about, I heard you and I I was afraid because I was naked. So fear is now on the table. So, so far we've seen shame come into the picture, fear. I was naked. I was aware. I have this hyper awareness. And then God's like, who told you you were naked? So then what ends up happening is that he blames the woman who was created for him. He blames her. She then um, blames the serpent. And then God doles out these curses based on this sin. So this is where we get to toiling. So 
To the woman, he says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we'll stop there and just talk about this is where toil comes into the picture. So toiling can be defined um, in Hebrew. I looked this up for this passage even right here where it's saying um, by the through painful toil, you will eat food from it, from the ground. Toil here means trouble, labor, sorrow, or one's own suffering. So toiling carries this idea of suffering and work. It's hard, hard work, and it's not a joyful experience. So when we look at the modern translation of toil, it says hard and continuous work, exhausting labor or effort, or a laborious task. So this is so exactly right on with what I have been feeling in my own life lately. My brain will go into toil mode, right? And it will be tilling up all the ground, thinking all the thoughts, trying to constantly figure something out. And it'll be focused on something that doesn't bring peace to me. And usually it's something that's going through my head, either from my flesh or from, I don't know, some spirit that is trying to influence my thought or like oppress me in some way about my standing with God. This is what it is for me. And maybe for you, it's something different. This could be like a self-image issue for you. This could be something from your family, the way you're perceived. For me, it's like I there's been this process or habit of me consistently hearing lies either from the enemy or from my flesh about my standing with the Lord. And I'm so tired of it because it's like this, this is not what the word says about me, these feelings I'm having. And again, on the surface, they seem like, oh, this might be a holy thing because it sounds scriptural, the kinds of thoughts I'm hearing about working for the kingdom and and being surrendered by obedience and these things. But what happens is it turns into an ownership complex. And so this is something I'm currently praying through with the Lord. And I believe he is delivering me right now of these things in this season I'm in because he's brought them to my attention, like a spirit of insecurity, like my insecurity and my standing before the Lord. And then... Um, this idea of always having to prove myself to him or something. And it's this toiling that comes up in my mind or this rumination where I'm thinking about something over and over and over again to the point where it's like, I can't move on with my day. I can't enjoy the Lord. I'm trying to read his word, but it becomes this fearful thing of like digging through scripture to prove that I'm okay with him. And what happens when you're in that spirit of toil and being attacked by it is that it starts inhibiting you in your walk with Christ in a lot of different ways. And one is like when you read scripture, you you can't focus. You're, you're scared as you're reading scripture because all you can hear is judgment and criticism as you're reading verses 
that are meant to point you to Jesus, you're hearing the opposite and it starts pointing you to yourself. Jesus said this, so you need to make sure you do do this exactly every time. And it's, it's not that you're saved by grace. You need to earn your salvation still. There are works that if you don't do them, you are going to be thrown in hell. Like crazy thoughts that are not biblical. Like that's not a biblical thought. So then you're sitting there, you're trying to solve the problem by like reading scripture and praying, but your mind is so busy and so captivated by these um, voices or these thoughts that you, you're you not really getting anywhere. It's like just a, a truck tire in mud. It's just spinning and spinning and spinning. And this is not the Father's heart for us because we know that Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so that is his heart for us to walk in lightness and in step with him, in unity with him. And he says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So let's talk about the solution to this stuff, because you might be hearing this and being like, that's ridiculous. Why don't you just take the thoughts captive? Why would your thoughts even get that way? All I can say is that sometimes your mind starts going a place that you weren't really thinking it would go and you don't even realize it until you're in the middle of it. Like it might start with really light thoughts about a certain topic and then they get louder and louder and louder. And then you're in the middle and you're on that battlefield of the mind. So what can we do about all this? The good news is that it tells us exactly in second Corinthians 10, Paul is defending his ministry in this chapter contextually, but he says things about how he lives in the world as a believer that we can take as believers and use ourselves against the schemes of the enemy or the world. And he says in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Blockages in your mind are strongholds of the enemy, and we want to destroy every stronghold. He says in verse 5, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the practice I think we should be in as Christians. Whether you're getting things hurled at you from the world or hurled at you from the enemy, we have the option to fight with weapons that are spiritual which is our prayer, which is our intercession, which is declaring the word, which is communing with God and inviting him into the situation, inviting Holy Spirit to do what he does best and to bring his peace, to speak his truths over the lies. I think it's easy to rebuke thoughts all the time. And so often this is truly, this is something I need to work on myself, but um, it's easy to just say, no, 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 no. I'm going to just continue to take thoughts captive by just rebuking everything. But if we don't then replace what we've rebuked with something true, we're kind of just stuck in this neutral zone, right? Of just no all the time, negative, no, no, no. Like, so I think it's so important to take the thing, the thought that's false, the thing you're toiling about in your mind, mentally toiling about, and make it obedient to Christ by declaring Christ's truth over that situation. So if you're hearing you only are going to get to heaven if you do a certain amount of works to appease the Father, I would then say, okay, well, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace, I have been saved through faith and not of myself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
I can speak that in place of you need to work and earn your salvation. Because again, we know that's not true, right? Like in our head, we know that's not true. But sometimes our hearts come in and deceive us with fear and we get gripped with these different things. Something else I want to mention is in 1 John, it speaks to this. Um, He says in 1 John 3, starting in verse 19, when we love others, we know we belong to the truth and when we feel at ease in the presence of God. But even if we don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we feel at ease in the presence of God, we will have courage to come near to him. This is such a great verse because it says even if you don't feel at ease because you know what sometimes you might not feel at ease in the presence of God there are different reasons for that one might be you're a sinner who has not repented yet and you don't know Jesus as your savior I would not feel at ease at that point at all and but God wants to bring you into ease when you receive him as your Lord and Savior saved there are still moments I think just practically speaking in my own life where I don't feel at ease in his presence Yes, that could be because of some sin that you haven't repented of in your life, even as a believer. But more often than not, it's this thing I can't put my finger on. And I can't point to a sin that it's connected to. I can point to things that I feel like I'm being accused of that didn't really happen. But I can't really point at anything directly. And then I know, okay, I am being accused by the accuser of the brethren who is the devil. He is, he's just doing what he does. He's the accuser. We learned that in revelation. So I love that. It says, even if you don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the dissatisfaction you're feeling with yourself. He knows the, the self image that you've taken on or any insecurity he knows about it. And so knowing that he knows about it gives me peace, right? It should give you peace that he knows the situation. He fully gets it and he will provide for us exactly what we need in every season. And so we really have a holy opportunity to step out of toiling. And maybe you've had a season of this in your life and you have overcome it by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Um, Maybe you've overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. If you haven't overcome this yet, I just want to speak life into you. God is greater than your feelings. And if you feel not at ease in his presence, he wants to bring all of us to a place of ease and awe and wonder in his presence. And so we're going to pray about that tonight. I believe the Lord is so deeply in love with us. He will not withhold himself from us. Remember, the original lie we started this episode with is, did God really say that? Oh, no, he's withholding something from you. God does not withhold anything from us, especially himself. Why? Because he gave us himself in the person of Jesus. He gave us Jesus as our sacrifice. He gave himself up for us, which is so mind-blowing. So it's like, how dare we even think, like, why would we even think that God would be withholding forgiveness? He's withholding his blessing. He's withholding his love from me. He's withholding everything until I'm perfect or whatever thought you're thinking or or my insecurity. And I'm this and I'm that like, no, God is greater than the things that you're feeling. And he has overcome every negative emotion. He has overcome every horrible thing. He has overcome every trial, every temptation. Nothing is impossible with him. Nothing. So I want to encourage you tonight, brothers and sisters, and I want to do it from a place where like this week, I have personally been walking through this kind of mental anguish 
and it's elusive. You can't put your finger on exactly what it is, but it's just this, this unease in the presence of God or this unease while you're trying to be in the presence of God. There's just an unease that's following you around. I just want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is peace. He is your peace. He is your comforter. That's how Jesus talks about him, the comforter. So if, if you're being convinced of the lie that God is speaking condemnation and wrath into you, that's obviously not consistent with the word of God. So I want to invite you, even though it feels hard to let go of that thought because you're trying to hold on to it to be obedient or something like that, release it and know that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And if he convicts you of sin in your life, he's going to bring you to a solution. He doesn't, he's not a father that gives us bad gifts. He's not going to be like, Hey, you need to repent. I'm not going to help you at all. Bye. Like that's not who he is. He's not an absent distant father. He is the comforter and he's the teacher. It says he will lead us into all truth and teach us all things in that all things. I'm going to fully declare and believe it's the solution to the, the issues that I have been responsible for. He's going to bring me, he's going to teach me how to walk better than I'm currently walking. So if all I'm getting is a reprimand and uh, correction, but I don't know what to do with it, I don't have any teaching or understanding on how to walk it out, it might just be condemnation from the enemy. And I need to be willing to take that captive and make it obedient to Christ by casting it out and then replacing it with the truth of scripture of what God actually says about whatever thing I'm going through. So I hope that encourages you tonight, and I hope you're following <laughs> what I'm talking about, because I, I know this can be kind of like it's a mental thing, it's a spiritual thing, there's a lot to it. So I just hope you're being encouraged right now, and I want to pray over you that every spirit of toil would drop out of your life right now in the name of Jesus. So if you would, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus, my Savior, the beautiful bridegroom. And first, God, I thank you that we never, ever have to pretend with you. We don't have to hide what we're going through. We don't have to pretend that we're not going through it because that means we're a good Christian. Like, no, we don't have to hide from you. Because as your word says in 1 John, we just read it, you know everything. You know the condition of our hearts. You know the condition of our minds. And Lord, I want to just thank you right now that your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So Lord, I invite the sound mind of Christ, that is the inheritance of every believer, to take up residence in them right now, that their minds would be set right, that our minds would turn the page from toil into soundness, into love, Father, into hope, into joy, Lord Jesus. I pray that anyone who's been toiling with thoughts of anything about their identity that's not what your word says or, or their past. Scott, I lift up the past to you right now, Lord Jesus. You have wiped away the past. Decisions that were made then, Father, we might still be experiencing consequences of those decisions, but we are not under the wrath that you would have for those decisions if we've accepted you and repented, God. We're not under your wrath. That's not reserved for the children of God. So, Lord, for, for any, like, spirit of failure that's been hanging on people, I failed as a parent, I failed as a son, I failed as a daughter, I failed in this job, 
That spirit of failure, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Shut your mouth and go back to hell where you belong. You are not allowed to speak to the beautiful, royal daughters and sons of the Most High God. We cast that out and we ask right now in Jesus' name that the truth of heaven would just sweep all around every listener right now. I don't know what it is you're going through, but whatever failure is always on your mind, whatever sin or thing you're toiling about or relationship or or you're standing with God or whatever the thing is, right now, we ask full deliverance from the toil and full revelation of Jesus Christ in the midst of the circumstance. We replace the lies with the truth of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and we actually will not have any other outcome. We refuse to receive any stronghold from the enemy. We refuse to build our lives inside of a stronghold of the enemy. We build our lives on the solid rock and foundation of Jesus Christ. We will not be standing on the sand, the shifting sands of thought and motive. God, we will not stand there. We plant our feet on your rock and we stand tall and we stand accepted and loved in the name of Jesus. So I just pray that every spirit of condemnation would fall off right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that you have given us victory and authority over the evil one. I thank you that you have broken every chain, that you have taken every sin that you have taken every shortcoming, every mistake, and you have washed us in your blood. So right now we enforce the judgment of the cross of Calvary over those thoughts and over the enemy and over our flesh, Father God. And we thank you that we have been made one with you forever. You have resurrected us. Give us revelation of the hope of glory that we have in you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this encourages you to get out of that place of toil, just to put it down, to take it captive by replacing it with the thoughts of the truth of the word. Implant that and see how you're doing. And I love you guys. I pray that the Lord meets you with this episode. God, meet them, go forward, cover them, refine them, Father God, and bring them to a place of new revelation and understanding in you, in Jesus' name. We will see you next time. Have a great rest of your day.